This is the weekend watch list brought to you by Footy Live. Only six weeks remain on the home and away fixture. Many time is fast running out for those stuck in the top eight trophy jam. Final aspirations are again on the line tonight with the Dogs and the Saints facing off at Marvel. And Saturday is indeed a super Saturday slate with the Blues and the Cats at the MCG and the Dockers and the Swans over in the West. And to round out, will the Suns rise or will the Dons of sunset on Sunday night. We're officially in the thick of things and with me to help you work out what to watch out for, who to tip and who to chuck into your super coach team is Footy Live's resident AFL expert, Nicky G. Question without notice, mate. Mm-hmm. I'll just pop this on you. Should Sydney and Richmond perform a mega trade uh, and swap their disgruntled stars in Buddy Franklin and Dusty Martin? I think I'll puke if I ever see... Buddy Franklin wearing an Essendon jumper Gordo being a Hawthorne supporter. So, no, that is the answer to that one. <laughs> Sorry about that. Fair enough. That's okay. I, I, I find it very funny that, um, you know, he's disgruntled at a, a contract negotiation. I'm sure they'll work it out yeah. and they'll keep uh, Buddy in, in Sydney. So, uh, yeah, nothing too much to worry about there. Obviously, a quiet week in the news stakes, which means we'll get cracking straight into our games. And tonight is a must-watch game between the Bulldogs and St Kilda. And, um, you know, only days after extending contracts, speaking of contracts, Brett Ratton got extended mm. to the end of 2024 and the Saints gave him a present that was a 41 loss to Fremantle at Malvern. Uh, meanwhile, Luke Beveridge's side is doing what they do best, trying to fade out of funnels after making a grand final the year before and they just didn't show up yeah. against Sydney uh, at mm. the SCG last Friday night. So what are you watching out for between these two sides which desperately need a win to try and keep in the race for the eight? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's ninth versus 10th. It's a must-win game for both teams. I personally believe the loser of this is officially out. You can get the red pen out. They're not making finals, especially for the Bulldogs because after, after Friday night, they've got Melbourne and Geelong and Freo to come in the next three weeks. So that's the toughest three weeks in footy, I reckon, at the moment. Um, and same with St Kilda, if they don't win tonight, they've still got, I think, Geelong and Brisbane in their run home, so tonight is must win for both. Um, I know it's not mathematically um, all over, but um, theoretically, I think it is. Um, what, I'm, what I'm looking out for, uh, an interesting one on the Saints was last week, you just mentioned they lost by 41 points at home to the Dockers. They'll be disappointed um, at that, but if you look at the stats in that game, Gordo, they they won clearances, they won contested possessions, they won inside fifties, um, but they just couldn't hit the scoreboard, particularly in the second half. I think that's when it all fell apart for them. And the Dockers, uh, they just made them pay on the rebound. So, what I'm looking out for is the Saints, the Saints forward line to really. Um, uh, convert on their chances, be accurate. We've seen so many times this season uh, Max King not converting and um, I just, under the roof at Marvel on a Friday night, they, they have to be hitting the scoreboard. They have to be hitting it hard, again, especially against the Dogs who have, I think have struggled defensively this season. Um, so they they just need to you know finish off their midfields work, the Saints, and uh, hit the scoreboard. I'm tipping them. I think this, they should win. I think they've been a better side than the Dogs this season. And uh, if if they lose tonight, I think that'll be just hugely disappointing for Brett Radden and for the St Kilda Football Club. 
Yeah. And so on the flip side, what I'm looking out for is is looking at the dogs and does Bevo still have the room? Does he still have control over this group or is his time up? It was our question on Monday. It's still mm. my question now on Friday afternoon. And, you know, tactically speaking, they've always been anomaly. They haven't really cared too much about buying into talls at either end of the field, about going after key position players or anything like that. They've gone, we're going to just build midfield depth and win our game through the middle and just work around our strengths, that, that homogenous midfield spread. And it hasn't worked this year because too often they have games like they did against Sydney where they just don't seem to, to show up. And that's the coach's last job, get his troops ready to go and perform and kick off the game and start Q1 the way they should, and they haven't done that. So I'm very interested to see if they bounce back and at least perform with an intensity in, in mm. the first quarter on, mm-hmm. uh, on tonight's game. Tipping-wise, I'm stuck because statistically speaking... I think the doggies are much better than St Kilda, but St Kilda has more weapons, I think. As you said, if Max King does kick straight, Mm. does take marks inside 50, he is a huge weapon. Where's where's the doggies' weapons? Bruce coming back after a huge layoff is not really a weapon, I don't see that. I'm not scared of anything from the doggies. Yes, they'll get huge midfield numbers. They always do that. It will Bailey Smith come back and mm. you know tear the game apart with a thirty-plus you know disposal game and a couple of goals, maybe. But I think Sakota has more weapons. I think you know take away last week, Fremantle is much better than most people give them credit for, and um, so I think I'll go with you with this one and tipping St Kilda. But uh, you want the dogs to come out first quarter, otherwise the headline's mm. already written for Monday morning, and it will be Bev on the chopping block for sure. Yeah, two teams that are not on the chopping block. Carlson and Geelong playing at the MCG, one of two Saturday night blockbusters. Going to need to get your dual screens out, subscribe to KO because you're going to want to watch both of these games. But this is probably the most anticipated game between these two sides since the 1995 grand final. Shout out to Carlton for making themselves relevant again. But shout outs to Geelong for basically taking the mantle. If this was WWE wrestling, they hold the belt. They are now the premiers elect. They tore apart Melbourne last week. And uh, do they back it up? Does the Blues come for their for their spot and maybe the top spot of the ladder? What are you watching out for in this one, EG? Well, I, I think this has the potential to be one of the games of the year. Like we're talking about Geelong, who have, I, I guess, reinvented their style of football. They're playing attacking football. They're trying to run with the ball a little bit more. And then you've got Carlton, who at the moment are the Showtime Lakers. They are the most watchable team in the AFL. They've got their two big key forwards firing on all cylinders. And there is so much on the line in this game. We've got top two, a home preliminary final on the line. We've got a top four spot on the line. Um, Geelong could still finish outside the top four, uh, realistically. Um, and at the MCG as well. It's not at Marvel. It's not at Cadinia Park. This is at the MCG. It's going to be uh, 75,000 people, I reckon. And it's just going to be a huge finals atmosphere. I'm so looking forward to this game. Um but what I'm looking out for, Carlton, the, I think over the last few weeks, they've been a bit hot and cold, um, but they're slowly getting uh, their injured players back. Um, obviously, Weedering made a return last week. So those, um, I think that's been their, their weak point is, you know, when they've lost those defenders, uh, they've become a bit vulnerable defensively and they've had to rely on their midfield a little bit more to win clearances and the contested ball. Um 
but they're slowly getting their strong side back as we move into the, uh, I guess, the business end of the season. So I'm just looking for uh, looking for a complete performance from Carlton, um, and you know, finals atmosphere. Can they show up in the big time? Are they the real deal? So many questions I think are going to be answered on Saturday night, and it is just going to be a blockbuster. I think it's going to be high scoring and um, very very enjoyable to watch. Absolutely, this is this is definitely must watch viewing and a player to look out for. According to his own coach, his uh, Mark Blitzer. So, you know, Chris Scott does this. He just kind of like feels that one of his players has been under-recognised and just writes out a clue himself, basically. Goes to the TV spot, does a radio spot, comes out and speaks their praises. And this week it was all about Mark Blitzer's after their 28-point game uh, win against Melbourne. So, and to be fair, it was a stellar game from him. So he took apart Max Gorn and Luke Jackson, pinch-hitting in the ruck. Then after being in the ruck, he'd go and defend uh, Petraka and Oliver as like the cooler or the tagger at stoppages. Mm. And then he'd go down and play on the wing and get possessions forward of centre. And into the game with 14 disposals, three clearances, seven score involvements and five tackles from a man that is almost 200 centimetres tall and 101 kilos. And of course, an aerobic freak having uh, been the high-level steeplechase that he was. He is like the Australian version of, of Mason Cox, which is why Mason Cox gets all these raps. It's like, we found another freak. No, no, the original freak, the original non-football background freak. Is, is Mark Blitzer. So look out for him. I'll be keeping an eye on him because he could probably be their MVP this year, especially if they if they go deep. Yeah. And in terms of the game style, I'm just seeing to see if it's if it's real or not because very early in the season, everyone, including yourself, gets out their red pen. Geelong's <laughs> too old. They're too slow. They're too boring. Yeah. They can't play this new style of football. And then they show things like they did last week against Melbourne. Was it because you know Melbourne's in their in their slump still and they're they're there for the taking? Or can they do it against a young, hungry side like Carlton? Mm. And uh, this will be the big test. Mm. If they can take down both styles of teams, then all of a sudden they're looking very convincing with only five more games to go before finals. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a top four spot would be very handy for the Geelong Cats. So uh, mm-hmm. keep an eye on that. And then speaking of top four ambitions, Fremantle, the Dockers, all aboard the train because it's almost full up. It's almost leaving the station. It's going over to Optus Stadium, and so are the Sydney Swans. And the Dockers went back to back to back wins with a, a big, comfortable win over St Kilda last week. And the Lions are looking shaky in that top four spot. So now it's really a chance for the Purple Haze to take over that spot, the number three spot. And then meanwhile, Sydney, they they got done by Port. Yeah. And they also got done by the Bombers a fortnight ago. Mm-hmm. So. What to make of that situation? Are they actually a top eight side this year? No one really knows. But what are you looking out for in this one, Nikki J? Yeah, certainly um, Sydney's consistency. I think they've got um, more on the line in this game than Frio. I know Frio are going for their... Um, they're looking to cement their top four spot. Um, but, I mean, Sydney, they are their, their finals hopes are on a knife's edge at the moment. And like you mentioned, they've been inconsistent... Um, and this is a tough task. I think everyone's expecting a Freo win. Freo are expecting back Acres and Chapman, and they, they're in a similar spot to Carlton. They're slowly getting their uh, team back to you know fully healthy. Um, they got five back a few weeks ago. So th- this is this. I think yeah, you, you'd be a brave man to be tipping Sydney in this one. But we need to see some consistency from Sydney. John John Longmire will be hoping for it. The team will be hoping for it. They got a good win last week against the Dogs. Um, but yeah, now they head to Perth, and a loss could leave them in that in that spot where they're level on points with the likes of Richmond, St Kilda, or Bulldogs. 
They don't want to be in that spot with five games to go. They need to stay a game ahead, um, and they need a scalp to do that, and this has to be it if they want to finish the year strongly and, um, uh, I guess, yeah, finish it um, in the top eight. And if they get past Fremantle, then they've got Adelaide, they've got GWS, they've got North Melbourne. That's essentially, you know, three wins, you'd think, and that that's pretty much a lock for finals. So... Just stay, they need to get through this week. We need to see some consistency. We need to see their midfield delivering. Callum Mills has been very hot and cold. He needs to be firing on all cylinders. The forward line, Buddy Franklin's been in the news this week. He needs a big week. Um, uh, and yeah, so uh, I'm all eyes on Sydney for this one. We'll be back after a quick break. Speaking of Buddy, he loves Optus Stadium. He doesn't play there very often. Obviously, the flights, you look after Buddy, got to wrap up on cotton wool. But he's played two games at Optus Stadium, and he's kicked 14 goals across the two of them. One of one, one bag of eight and another smaller bag of six. So it could be, you know, a bit of omens coming together for the Swans and, and Buddy and contract negotiations and a bit of a statement there to say, actually, I am worth what I think I am worth. Mm. But the superstar I'm looking out for is, is Fife because the question was, would Fife be okay playing at centre forward? Mm. Everyone was like, well, no, he probably wants to play in the midfield and he comes out last week and he kicks three goals and has 21 disposals. <laughs> that's, you know, that's Dustin Martin areas. That's Patrick Dangerfield areas. That's a bona fide forward of centre, yeah. midfield forward type player. He mm-hmm. looks fairly comfortable there. And of course, instead of saying, well done, Nat Five, the whole of football media is like, well, when's he going to go to midfield? Yep. When's he going to the midfield? When are they pulling the trigger? Mm. Is it going to be this week? Does he play in the midfield this week? Or do you say, Fife, just be the best centre forward in the competition? Yeah, I think Fremantle are in that luxury position at the moment where they don't need him in midfield. They've got the likes of Brayshaw and they've got the likes of, um, I was going to say Chera. No, not Chera. Sarong, sorry. So Brayshaw and Sarong. Um, Will Brody, who's come of age this season, been probably the recruit of the year. Um so I don't think it's necessarily Nat Fife's team anymore as it has been over the last few years. They've got all these new stars. Um, they don't need him in the midfield. It's just a luxury. Okay, we need to win it. They're in more of a spot where they're like, all right, we need a clearance throw Fife in there. He can be that burst of energy, you know. But to have him up forward, he's a he's over 190 centimetres. He's got a great leap on him. He's skillful. He can kick a goal out of nothing. I'd leave him predominantly forward and be that weapon uh, that he was last week and that he's, you know, they're, they're shaping him up to be. Because come finals, um, yeah, I mean, if you've got the likes of Brayshaw and Sarong in midfield, to have Fife in the forward line, it, it fills a hole for them. So, yeah, I don't think they'll be relying on him in midfield at all. Yeah. So what are you going for then tip-wise? Are you backing the hungry swans who have more mm. to play for or are you... 
back in the Pebble Haze at home. Like I said, you'd have to be brave to tip Sydney. So I'm going to tip Fremantle. Um, I think that's a sensible tip. But, um, yeah, I think it, I'm just going to be keeping an eye on Sydney to see if they can, I guess, show some consistency and show some show something new that they haven't shown in a while and, you know, grab a big scalp and make a big statement. So three stats, if you're a Sydney fan, they should uh, buoy you. First one, two of the last three games between these two sides at Optus Stadium were decided by one and two points, respectively. So they love a close game. Second one is that in the uh, last four rounds, Fremantle has conceded over five goals from clearances. So they're ranked second last defensively from scoring from clearances. So they have that deep midfield, but if you do get that clearance, you can be scored against. And the final one is uh, the Swans are averaging 93 points against top eight sides this season. That's number one in the competition. Hmm. They love fronting up against the tough sides. They lower their colours when they play against lower-ranked teams, as we've seen already this year, but they bounce back against the, the, the prem, premier competition in the AFL. So, as you said, brave person to tip, uh, to tip Sydney, but there's some stats there to back it up. I'm tipping Fremantle because I'm on that train. But uh, <laughs> if you're hunting some, you know, some tips and you're tipping competition, Sydney isn't the worst pick of the week. Yeah. One that you don't want to probably gamble on is the next one. Melbourne versus Port Adelaide. They're off to Darwin. Anything can happen when footy goes up to the top end. It's a beautiful place to, to watch football, to play football. Mm-hmm. Um, but Melbourne needs to show us something. Port season, while it's mathematically possible, is probably done. So it'll be interesting to see what you know players are doing, how bought are they into Ken Hinckley staying around. We'll leave that for the Adelaide advertiser to write all those juicy headlines about. But what everyone will be watching is does Melbourne bounce back? Not just win, but win convincingly and prove they're still the number one team in the competition. But what are you keeping an eye out for? Well, I mean, this is Clayton Oliver's first game out of the Melbourne side since his debut year, Gordo. So that is a massive hole in midfield. We know how important he is. He's guaranteed 30-plus touches and 20 contested. So to lose that beast in midfield, they haven't gone without him for so long. Um, how, how are they going to fill that void? They had to fill the void of Gorn a few weeks ago, but they had a similar like-for-like uh, replacement in Luke Jackson. But they don't really have one for Clayton Oliver. So... Um, I'm just looking to see who's going to fill that void, whether it's going to be, you know, is Petrarca going to start getting his hands dirty? I know they've got Viney, um, but yeah, he's, he's such an integral part to that, to that machine and that midfield engine. So I think that's big. I think that's going to be a big part of the game. Um, I think Melbourne rely heavily on their midfield as well. So Going up against Port Adelaide, um, who you know had probably had their best win of the season last week against GWS in terms of uh, convince how convincing they looked, um, and also the form of some of their players, especially Connor Rosie's, you know, all of a sudden become one of the most informed players in the competition. He kicked four goals from playing midfield, so. Um, yeah, I think Port Adelaide. If Port Adelaide get on top of the top, of, get on top of the midfield um, in this one, they, I think that could be a deciding factor. So I, I honestly wouldn't be riding off Port Adelaide. I think this is a lot more winnable than what people think. I'll probably still be tipping Melbourne because, as you said, that's the sensible choice. Um, but yeah, I think with Port still mathematically in the race for finals. Um, they too need a big a big scalp, so this could be it. 
to be honest, Gordo. But and it's it, I think it helps them that it's not at the MCG as well. So um, yeah, watch this space. I reckon. Mm. The one concern for a for a port upset is that uh, they're only averaging sixty eight points against top eight sides this year, and uh, so that's ranked third last in the competition, and that's kind of been their whole season. They looked okay all year. They've looked very good against the lower-ranked sides, and they come up for this test, a, a game like this game, and they disappoint mm. uh, pretty convincingly. So, yeah, this is their chance to turn it around, this is a chance to build for something, you know, end of this season into the start of next season. But uh, my storyline here is just what's, what's going on with the Ds? So Simon Goodwin came out after the Geelong loss and said it was an audit. They were auditing their season and they thoroughly failed the examination. They got smashed in clearances. They got smashed in inside 50s. Uh, the Cats had 30 more scoring shots and obviously they ended up losing by 28 points. And they were lucky that it wasn't actually more. And concerningly for them, Port are actually kind of strong in those areas too. So Port leads Melbourne in inside 50 differential and also uncontested possessions as well. And so it will be very interesting to see if those, those stats remain consistent or if, if Melbourne can turn it around because if they drop this one, then all of a sudden there's lots more question marks. And uh, Melbourne hasn't been a side that's really enjoyed being put under scrutiny. They, they are that front-running side that likes to enjoy happy-go-lucky football, positive news stories, you know, everyone's happy here. When it gets flipped around, things start to look a little bit more shaky down at the, uh, the old MCC members' stand. So <laughs> a very important game for them. But possibly the most important game of the week is the last game of the week, the Dons versus the Suns at Marvel Stadium. And uh, hopefully it's a massive crowd because it deserves to be because after last week, the Suns went from season over to season just begun and everyone is talking about the Suns. Stewie Jew's been extended. Their young guns are bought in. Everyone said that they love the big fella. Noah Anderson's goal after the siren is the stuff of legend and fairy tale and childhood dreams. Yeah. And they've got an opportunity now to come play under the roof, no excuses against a Bombers side that's looking better than what they were, but let's, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. They're not a great side this year. But what are you watching out for for this one, mate? Um, it's really hard to pinpoint one thing to look out for, but, I mean, you, you've summed it up there. This is, I mean, the, the Suns are coming home strong. They... It, the story is making their, you know, their first finals appearance, and they're a good chance. I said it on Monday. They, um, out of all the teams going for that top eight spot, they're probably the one that deserves it the most. But they have to win games like this. Essendon uh, playing Essendon at Marble's no easy task, especially with the way the Dons have been playing, um, and uh, the Suns still need to face the likes of Brisbane and Geelong in their run home as well. So games like this have to be a must win if. Um, the Suns are going to continue to chase down that uh, top eight spot. They've got a bit of uh, room to catch up on as well. So what I'm looking out for, I think Essendon's strength, when Essendon win, uh, they win by uh, taking marks inside 50. They absolutely battered the Lions last week. I know the Lions were undermanned with no Gardner and no Andrews back there, but the likes of Peter Wright, those, those sort of guys, they get on top and um, Essendon all of a sudden become really hard to stop. And um, obviously Peter Wright as well, being an ex-Gold Coast man, he's, I think he's got a chip on his shoulder uh, facing his old side who didn't really use him um, as well as the Dons have and didn't really want him in those lighter stages. So um, it, that, that's going to be that's going to be the watch for me. Um, the two forward lines really because Rankin comes back into the side and we know how good he's been. 
um, over the last month or so. So, um, yeah, like the um, like the Saturday night game between Carlton and Geelong, I think this as well is going to be very high scoring and very entertaining to watch um, live-wise at each end of the field. So that's what I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Yeah, another another shootout is very much on the cards, just given Essendon's season. They're averaging 100 points since round 14, so that's ranked second in the AFL behind mm-hmm. Geelong only. And the caveat there is they've played uh, West West Coast in that and a COVID-affected Brisbane, but you still got to kick the points. Unfortunately for them, in that same time frame, they've also conceded um, 47% of their opponents inside 50s have resulted in scores, and that's ranked second last in the competition, only behind North Melbourne. So points will be on display here, but... Um, I think in terms of things to play for, in terms of that narrative, in terms of building on um, the Suns' momentum, that's what I'm looking out for is that can they continue this rise? Because mm-hmm. I felt like there's been three or four times this year where they've been at that precipice. Yeah. We get excited. Is this it? Is it we're going to lock in finals now? Have they fully developed? Are they ready to play top eight football? And then they drop off for two or three weeks and yeah. they do it again and drop off for two or three weeks. If they can go on the road, bank some wins, that's where you know that's the real deal. And then mm. we finally get to see them play finals and they deserve it. They've done a lot of work. We've bashed them a lot over the last couple of seasons. Yeah. But uh, it'd be great to see them rise and, and rise truly. Mm. Now, speaking of being under the pump, it's uh, coming to the end of the Supercoach season, PG. Yeah. I also want to check in with uh, how's, it, how's it going? How's your Supercoach uh, team doing? Terrible, Gordo. Absolutely terrible. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the back end of this Supercoach season, to be quite honest with you. Um, and it gets it gets uh, very challenging now because I've picked up the likes of Parrish, who's been out for four weeks, uh, who is it will be out for four weeks. Clayton Oliver goes down this week, so if you're in the need for a midfielder like I am, um, I'm going to be looking at Jack Steele. Uh, he's he's obviously spent a lot of time this year on the sidelines, but he returned a few weeks ago. He's returned with three centuries in a row. He's at a good price at five hundred and forty nine thousand, which is Great for um, the premium midfielder that he is. So if you're looking for a midfielder, I'd be bringing him in. But do it uh, at your own risk because every player I've suggested in this uh, segment has gone on to either get suspended, get injured, or just lose his form completely. So touch wood, that doesn't happen with Steele. There you go. The kiss of death, Nicky G's (laughs) super coach. Essential purchase right there. And around the episode, as we always do, we like to put our house on something, and we're going pretty good this season in terms of our put your house on it picks. Mm-hmm. Um, so one prop and one pick. What do you got for us this week? Nick? Well, I always like going for the first game of the round for my prop Gordo. So this tonight uh, with the doggies playing, I'm liking the safe pick for Jack McRae to get over 30 touches. He's done so in eight of his nine matches. So if you're looking for a certainty, uh, that is it. And my pick, Gordo, I'm not sure if you'll like this, but I'm going for Carlton to beat the Cats at the MCG. They're not favourites in this one, Carlton, surprisingly, but I think with you know a big crowd there, a majority of them are going to be Carlton supporters. Um, I just I find it hard to see them losing. So um, I think they'll be in the top four by the end of the round. There you go. Well, my... Viewers will have to pick this week and listeners as well because we're going head-to-head. My pick uh, is a same-game multi due to our friends here at our sports bet, And uh, it's the highest-scoring highest quarter of that Geelong-Carlton game to be the second quarter. 
Geelong to win the fourth quarter by more than three points, and Geelong to win, which is paying $8. And here's the reason why. So in the last five Carlton matches, the highest scoring quarter has been the second. And as we've noticed all year, they are explosive. They are productive in that first half, especially that second quarter. And then they fade away late in games. And so Carlton are ranked 13th for Q3 and Q4 performances. Meanwhile, the Cats have outscored their opponents by a total of 153 points in the final term, by far the best team in the AFL at final quarters. And they win 78% of them. So I've got Geelong to win the last and Geelong to win overall and cement their position as the best team in the AFL as of round 18. And uh, speaking of the best... Well, Brownlow favourite, Andrew Bracewell, 25-plus disposals. That's an absolute moral at $1.30. Mm-hmm. 20th straight game last week with 25, so look to make that 21 in a row of 25-plus disposals, and you can roll it into a Fremantle win as well because he is just leading the way there. You said it's not Nate, Nate Fife's team anymore. Certainly not. It's Andrew Bracewell's team, and so uh, look for the Purple Haze and his continued success. But... Uh, that's what we got time for on this Friday afternoon. We're rolling into around about 2pm. It's time to uh, whip up some previews, do your pre-match warm-ups and get ready for a big weekend of footy because it's going to be a big, exciting and influential game full of headlines, full of highlights, and we'll be here to wrap it all up uh, on Tuesday morning. So until then, enjoy your football.